Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 6, called The Suffering Servant. The temptation would be for any teacher of the Bible to rush ahead to the chapter that we'll deal with tonight and to go immediately to Isaiah 53 and just bask in the light of it. Uh, But we haven't done that. We've actually done 52 chapters in Isaiah, and here we are. And now we get to uh, dig into a beautiful chapter of Scripture. It's Isaiah 52, the end of the chapter, leading into 53 tonight. This is the fourth servant song in the book of Isaiah. A shadowy figure begins to emerge. He is the arm of the Lord. He's the salvation of God. And uh, as he begins to emerge, he's given the idea, he's given the, actually the name, the servant of Yahweh. And when Jesus came on the scene in the New Testament, he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus talked about his servanthood, he tied it to his death on the cross. When you think of the idea of a servant, a servant is the one that Uh, bears a load. He does the work, if you will, for his master. Well, when you think about the servant of Yahweh, what you need to understand, what you need to think about, maybe we haven't connected these thoughts all the way through, is that the servant of Yahweh, the way in which he serves God and us, is he comes to bear our burden, not just our burden of work, not just our burden of getting things done around the house, but he comes to bear the weight of our sin, not just part of the weight, the entire weight, and not just our sin, and not just the sins of the group in this room assembled tonight, and if we were to think about just the weight of those sins over a lifetime, in thought, word, and deed, that would be scary enough, just if we piled them up in this room, right? We don't even want to go there. But then take the collective sin of all humanity for all time and you're starting to get a picture of what the servant came to do. He came not to be served but to serve and to give his life. And Jesus said, you call me master and teacher and you're right, that's what I am, John 13. If I, your master and teacher, wash your feet, you ought to what? wash one another's feet. And in John 13, he gave them a picture of the fact that he left heaven. He came to the earth to take the lowest place to die in the most uh, horrific, uh, humbling, embarrassing, shocking way. From the heights of heaven, Yahweh came to the depths of the earth and he came to serve us in his death. That's where this has been leading. That's where the whole book of Isaiah has been taking us to the pinnacle to to see that, you know what, this is what God's gonna do for us. This is how he's gonna deal with all the, you know, if you've been with us, we've been watching um, the ugliness of sin and the rebellion of God's people and we've been saying, oh, 
When are they going to turn around? What will, be, what will be the solution to this problem? Sin is hard to bear. That's why we're so good at passing the buck. We don't want to deal with our sin, so we blame shift or we find a way to quiet our conscience, but mankind's dilemma is we have a weight of sin and we don't know what to do with it. And God says, I will be your solution. I will take your sin upon myself. I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And once you become a Christian, many describe an experience of feeling as if a weight was lifted off their shoulders. You mean, if I just repent and confess Jesus Christ, I can leave a building changed, forgiven? of every sin that I've ever committed or will commit in thought, word, deed, the things that I've done in secret, the things that have been unbearable, yeah, because he will bear them. So let's take a moment. Father, we wanna just pause and amazing grace is so appropriate in light of this chapter. It is amazing that you came to serve And to lay down your life as a ransom for many. And you've told us that if we're to follow in your train, we're to take up a cross and follow you. And that, for most of us in this room, is not going to be a physical death of martyrdom. Rather, it's going to be a life of service. Service to our king and serving one another. And to be honest, Lord, to be candid, since you know our hearts, we struggle with that at times. We It's difficult for us, even as Christians, to lay down our rights, to lay down our desires. But when we lay them down at the foot of this great God, this great Savior, what we find is we get back so much more. We get back true life. We get back true love. We get back what it really means to be alive. But we fight that. All of us fight our flesh, no matter how long we've been saved we can feel the ups and downs. We can feel the times when we, we find it hard to cast all our anxiety upon you because you care for us. But tonight, we just wanna, we just wanna uh, bask tonight in the beauty of this chapter. And we wanna just receive all the grace we can get, grace upon grace that's found in Jesus Christ. May you bless the night. May you teach us by your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the news has been uh, talked about here in verse six of Isaiah 52. It says, therefore my people shall know my name, Isaiah 52, six. Therefore in that day I am the one who is speaking, here I am. How lovely on the mountains, Isaiah 52, seven, are the feet of him who brings good news. This is where the, the chapter now is moving to the good news of Jesus Christ who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation, and here's the the idea of the saving work of Jesus, and says to Zion, all these that have been in captivity, all these that have been struggling with, you know, where is God and what is he gonna do about our situation? And say to Zion, your God reigns. But the way in which he will reign will be different. It will be strange because if you skip down to verse 13 of Isaiah 52, and let me just say this to you. If you're using this chapter to witness to Jewish friends, and you should, 
Uh, I've heard stories, I'm not sure if this is true or not, that Isaiah 53 is no longer uh, read in Jewish synagogues. I even heard that in some sense it's been taken out. I don't know if that's the case or not. But I know that this, this is a chapter that people who don't want to see Yeshua, Jesus, in the Old Testament would like to get rid of this chapter because it's pointing to him, you know, with blinking lights and arrows going down at this chapter. But if you do do that, you should start in Isaiah 52, 13, because that's actually where it starts. It says, behold, that word behold gives us the idea of look, kind of stop, take a closer look. Uh, remember when John the Baptist was going to introduce Jesus at the Jordan, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, my servant, here's the servant of Yahweh, will prosper. Notice how he's introduced, verse 13. He will be high, here's a Hebrew word stacked one upon another to talk of his high exaltation. You could think of his resurrection, his ascension into heaven. Uh, he will be high, 52.13. He will be lifted up and greatly exalted. And we could think of praise and worship songs there and say, yeah, 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 yeah. But the way in which that will happen is what's strange. Because the next verse says the, these words. Just as many were astonished. If you have an NIV, it's the rendering appalled. Many will be appalled. Uh, if you looked up the Hebrew word, the, it would be defined as shocked or many will be shattered at you. When they look at this high, exalted one, the majestic one, the servant of Yahweh, they will be shattered by what they see. They will look at you, my people. So his appearance, middle of 14, was marred. If you have an NIV, it says, was so disfigured more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Now, there's a couple ways to look at this. We could say, well, Jesus, his cumulative sufferings were more than any man. And I think there's a good case to be made for that. Uh, we could say, well, maybe somebody could have physically suffered worse than him, but his suffering was more than just physical because his suffering included the weight, the spiritual weight of the sin of the world, the wrath of God. So combine, combine those ideas. You have the sin of the world put on him. He bore in his body our sins on the tree and then take the wrath of God and stack that upon him and now you begin to feel the weight. I used to have a shirt I wore around when I was a young Christian. It was called the Lord's Gym and it showed a picture of Jesus with rippling muscles and he was, he was bearing the weight of the cross on his back and I like that shirt. I'm not sure that's how Jesus' arms looked, but I like the idea of it. And think of it. The sins of the world, the wrath of God, all intersecting on this person. Think of the crossbar of the cross. It's all intersecting at Jesus. The love of God, the righteous wrath of God, and there he is on the cross. The sky grows dark, the earth shakes, signs of judgment, and people are shocked. Because the the interpretation of the majority of scholars uh, in the language say, say this, that his appearance was so marred that he no longer looked human. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into is the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. Even if we threw out having to land on when does life begin, when a majority of those abortions happen, right, is in between generally six to 12 weeks. And you know what I mean? There's a heartbeat. There's everything's pretty much intact. The only thing that child or that baby needs is time and nutrition. It's fully formed. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And there he is on the cross. The sky grows dark, the earth shakes, signs of judgment, and people are shocked. Because the, the interpretation of the majority of scholars Uh, in the language say, say this, that his appearance was so marred that he no longer looked human. It's shocking enough to understand that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, but it's more shocking to realize that the language of Isaiah 52 tells us that when you looked up at that cross, you did not see a man with a few drops of blood coming down from his brow. What you saw from that cross is a double take to see if he was really human. From the beating that he took in his head, from the blows that he took with the fist, from the crown of thorns, from the opening up of his organs, probably from the cat of nine tails, from everything that he suffered, he was a mess. And it is accurate to say, you know, people were debating when they saw the Passion of the Christ movie, they asked the question, did Mel Gibson go too far? And I'm not going to talk about every scene in that movie, nor will I even comment on the theology of the movie, but I will say this to you. Some who have studied the Hebrew language and look at the end of Isaiah 52 say he probably didn't go far enough. Because the truth of the language is so powerful that it means that when people looked at him, they said, is he human? And of course, the religious leaders were mocking and they were saying how he's under the curse of God. They were astonished. This is a very strong Hebrew word which is used of places that are devastated, places that are wastelands. And it also is a word astonished or appalled in 52.14 used of a bereaved wife a wife lamenting the death of her husband. It's one of the stronger words that can be used. They were appalled at what they saw. And who's up there? God in human flesh. Thus, in light of this, 15, he will sprinkle, and this is the idea now of the work of the priest, and you could read the book of Leviticus where this is used many times. He will sprinkle how many? 
many nations. So his work on the cross is actually a worldwide work. It is not just limited to Israel. And that's what we've been seeing throughout the book of Isaiah. That though the people of Israel are God's people, the work of salvation goes out to the ends of the earth and there's only one God and there's only one Savior and God says earlier in 45.22, turn to me and be saved all ye ends of the earth. I'm God, I am Savior, there is no other. And he will sprinkle the idea of the cleansing of the sacrifice in the Old Testament many nations. Many nations, including the nation that you sit in tonight. Because the United States was not born until, what, 1776? And we are one of the nations that have been sprinkled by the blood of the Lamb. We have come in. Many, many people who have lived and died in this country have come into that covenant, that new covenant, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you grateful? I don't know what year you got saved I got saved in the late 80s. People were talking about the return of Jesus, but I'm glad he didn't come back before I got saved. He'll sprinkle many. This is his uh, high priestly work. Kings, notice, he's kind of an enigma because he's high and exalted, highly exalted, and yet he's appalling, yet he sprinkles through what he does. He cleanses many nations. And look at this, kings, since he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, will shut their mouths on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. Think of the, those going on the mountains sharing the good news of Jesus. What they had not been told, how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? What they had not been told, they will see. What they had not heard, they will understand. In Isaiah 6, When Isaiah got his call from the Lord and his lips were touched and he confessed that he was a man of unclean lips, God said, your ministry will be to go to this people and say, keep on hearing, but you won't hear. Keep on seeing, but you won't see. For the heart of this people has grown dull. Scarcely do they hear, right? That's the idea. But now there's a turn in the book and people are looking at this one who has died on the cross And they are seeing, they are hearing. There's a revelation. The revelation has come come forth in 53.1. It says, who has believed our message? This is the message of the gospel. If ever the gospel was uh, portrayed, here it is. But who has believed it? The question rings forth. Who will believe such a kind of contradictory situation. See, we, we think that a regal exalted one is going to be sitting on a throne somewhere with royal robes having people fan him and feed him grapes or be at his beck and call, but that's not how he comes. How he comes from heaven to earth is a baby in Bethlehem. He grows up in a place that is disdained by most of the Jews, Nazareth, and then he dies under the curse of God. How is it that we can believe such a report? You could see why the people of Israel might have a tough time with this. You could say, yeah, Isaiah 53 depicts a suffering, dying Savior, but there are other scriptures that depict a a conquering king. Who will believe this report? Who will believe this message or our message? Is it your message that you preach 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord, that's always speaking of the saving arm of God, been revealed? Who will believe this message? See, there is a need for belief. God has done the work. It is paid in full, but will you believe? The prophecy about Jesus is repeated in the New Testament. And the question rings, and it will ring until the time that Jesus returns. Will you believe the report about this one? Will you believe that God has dealt with your sin in full in Jesus? You've been listening to The Suffering Servant, part one on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 6. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. How long have you been listening? Could you help us pay for some airtime on this station? Help us continue in this ministry by a monthly partnership of at least $5 a month. And that's all we ask. That's like the price of a cup of coffee, unless you get that like really fancy stuff. But anyway, if you're blessed by this ministry and believe others in your community can be too, please visit walkintruth.com now to donate. That's walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael before we go. Well, maybe you have a tough time believing that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of everyone. What a weight. To carry. You mean to tell me that the Lord laid on Jesus Christ everyone's sin? Well, that is what the scripture teaches. And maybe you, your next thought would be, I don't know if I can believe that. I think for a lot of people, maybe you can't believe that he laid on Jesus your sin. You know, I often preach to a room of several hundred people, and when I do, I, I think about if Jesus just had to bear the collective sins of all of us in that room at a given moment, let's just say it's 200 people sitting in a room. And let's, let's think about sins of omission, commission, uh, thought life, uh, over a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, if we piled on those sins of those couple hundred people, it would be more than we could bear, more than we could maybe even calculate. And yet Jesus, uh, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He bore the penalty for all of our sin. How that all works out, how we're to think every nuance through, I don't know for sure, but I, but I know this. Isaiah 53 is teaching that Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins. And here's the important point of that. The good news is that you, if you're in Christ, are forgiven of every sin you've ever committed. It was laid on him. My sin laid on the sinless Savior. God treated Jesus at that cross as though he had committed all of our sin collectively. That is an amazing love. That is our great substitute, our great high priest, our great king, our great Lord. And even if you can't write it down or put it on a chalkboard so you could completely understand it, that's, that's secondary because that's what God did. 
And Jesus Christ paid for your sins at the cross. Do you know him? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? He is literally a prayer away, but you must cry out to him. Something like this. Whatever you're doing right now is less important. You can be praying. Just keep your eyes open if you're in your car. Maybe you need to safely pull over to the side. Maybe you need to pause what you're doing right now and settle it. Jesus Christ, save me. Cry out to him. You are the suffering servant. I see it. I believe. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for taking it all at the cross, taking my punishment, my iniquity. I repent of my sin. I receive what you did for me at the cross and through the resurrection. And I ask you to save me and make me your child. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, we would love to know and celebrate with you. You can send us an email. Do it while you're thinking about it right now. Contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Let us know. Just say, hey, I committed my life to Christ today for the first time. Um, or maybe you would say, I recommitted my life today listening to the teaching in Isaiah 53 on the suffering servant. Either way, or if you were encouraged as a believer, we'd love to know. Email us today, contact at walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. We'll catch you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 6, called The Suffering Servant. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.